Hey everyone, this is Hannah and you're listening to the Learning Disney Podcast. Hey friends, it is only me, Hannah, today. So if you don't know what that means, that means we have a guest today. But before we dig into that, let's go over a couple of news items from the past week. So I think the biggest thing that came out was that Bob Iger, the new CEO of the Walt Disney Company, he decided to host a town hall with cast members and addressed a few important topics. So he did this on Monday, which was the 28th of November. And there's about five, six main things that he discussed. First was the need for the company to continue being inclusive, accepting, and tolerant, specifically with the LGBTQ plus community. Very important. We've seen a couple of things the past couple of years that have worried people. We've also seen some development for cast members in the park specifically that have improved. So we know that this is going to be a forward trajectory and we're going to keep being positive. Second was if you didn't catch this weekend, there was a huge rumor that Apple was going to try and buy Disney, buy the Disney company. And Bob Iger smashed that and said it was pure speculation and it was not true. Third is that the hiring freeze that was put into place right before Bob Iger stepped in is unfortunately staying in place as the cost structure throughout the company is readdressed. So he is leaving the policy in place to make sure that they are making the correct steps forward. So I think this is a good thing. That means he is looking at everything from a cross structure standpoint to make sure they are making the correct choices for the company. Next is he wants to have a focus on Disney plus becoming profitable and not just looking for new subscribers. To me, I have no idea what this means. I'm not sure how we're going to become a we. This is me all. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I like to pretend like I'm part of the Disney company as well, but I'm just not sure what that means. How Disney plus is going to become more profitable without new subscribers, but I'm really excited to see where this head towards and what changes come out of it. Another thing is that he said people need to return to working in offices to create together in person to get those creative juices flowing together. And that was a big thing. It seems as if there are still quite a few people that are teleworking or they're conducting businesses um, via like Zoom. Like we saw that big push through the pandemic and he's wanting people to get back to the offices to collaborate and work off of each other again, like we did before. We, there we, there I go again, <laughs> like the company did before. And finally, he is in talks with Josh Damaro about the future of the park reservation system. So we don't know if that means it's going to continue, if, they're, if we're going to go more to how Walt Disney World is, where if you just buy a certain day pass, the resort will actually make the park reservation for you. We don't know what that's going to look like. I know a lot of people, I believe, are hoping for the reservation system to go away. So that's that's some exciting things to look forward to, to see how the Disney company is going to grow. For news at the parks, uh, people are stressed right now that the Candlelight Processional may get rained out over the weekend. And it looks like if it gets canceled, it's just not going to happen. I don't know and understand a lot more. If you listen to the Disney holiday tips episode that I did with the Disney RN Mel, we talked a lot about that. Um, That's something that a lot of people, especially locals look forward to. And it's 
a huge part of the holiday season at Disney. So if you want to hear more about that, please go back and listen to episode number 10 that I did with the Disney RN, AKA Mel. And hopefully that doesn't happen. The weather's kind of been back and forth all weekend on whether or not it's going to rain. Additionally, there are rumors that Genie Plus will start selling out, though it hasn't happened yet. It's making guests more and more concerned about you need to buy Genie Plus first thing in the morning if you're going to. I would say if you think you're going to do Genie Plus, you need to buy it first thing in the morning because the individual ride passes will sell out. So for example, if Space Mountain's really popular that day, it may be 10 a.m. in the morning. But the reservation systems through Genie Plus could be sold out to like four or five. So as you get to those time slots that reach the end of the park day, then they're sold out. But what they're saying now is that Genie Plus in general will only start to allow so many people to purchase that convenience that you can't buy it anymore. Even if like Haunted Mansion might have an opening. It's it's just sold out by an X amount of people who have purchased. So that's something to think about. I always, if I know I'm going to do Genie Plus, I'll pay for it first thing in the morning. If it's mid-afternoon and I haven't paid for it, I typically won't anyways. Because to me, I if I'm paying that much, I want to use it the entire day. But that's just my advice. Go ahead and do whatever you think is best for you, your family, your group of friends that you're going with. Some miscellaneous news. Uh, Disney Cruise Line announced that they will be celebrating their 25th year on the seas in 2023. So we don't know what the specifics of that look like right now, but it looks like it's going to be a great time on the cruises. So I'm really looking forward to see what special things are going to happen. This is one of my items on my bucket list that I would really love to do one day. Austin in the summer finally said that he would be opening, he would be open to doing a Disney cruise. So Probably not in 2023 during the 25th anniversary, but maybe soon, maybe one day. Final thing I want to talk about is we saw Strange World over the weekend with our kids, and we actually really, really liked it. Um, but it's getting demolished at the box offices, and I don't really understand why, besides the fact that it wasn't promoted enough, especially in the shadow of Wakanda Forever coming out. I think they've just lost a lot more money because people didn't know that it was out. For example, if you listen to last week's episode, Elisa was like, I don't, I don't even know the name of that movie. Can you tell me what movie this is that's coming out next week? So that's a couple of things that Disney is working on. And hopefully when it comes on the streaming service, if you have Genie or Genie, if you have Disney Plus, hopefully you like it because we really enjoyed Strange World as a family. So Getting into this episode, super important episode. So Walt Disney's birthday is on the 5th of December, and I decided what better way to do this week's podcast episode than to celebrate Walt Disney's life and legacy. And I feel extremely blessed that I have David from Disneyfornia, so Disney, F-O-R-N-I-A, from Instagram on the podcast today. He is a walking encyclopedia of Disney knowledge, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode, and we are going to have so much fun. Hey, everyone. So super exciting episode today. We are going to celebrate Walt Disney's birthday. His birthday is the 5th of December, and so today I feel extremely lucky I got David from Disneyfornia. I always want to say Disney for NIA. <laughs> the song but thank you so much for being on today david yeah yeah thank you for having me this is awesome 
Yes, and it's it's going to be a blast. And I was just telling David, I kind of refer to him as like the walking Disney encyclopedia. Not to put any pressure on you, but he was the perfect person to ask to be on today's episode because it's all about the history. We're going to touch on Wall and just talk about his life and his legacy and why we need to remember his birthday and make sure we keep celebrating the spirit of Walt Disney. So first things first, though, with all our guests, we like to ask... So, David, what is your favorite treat at Disneyland? And then what's your yes. favorite ride? Uh, I, I kind of feel like uh, I, I say this so many times on my stories and everything on mm-hmm. Instagram. Uh, but uh, the treat is hands down Cheerios. Uh, yes. You know, it's just the old school original Cheerios. But I, I love trying all the new ones. I always like to do the uh, the, the Cheero challenges where you got to eat them all. Uh, <laughs> it's like Pokemon. You got to find them all. You got to eat them all. Uh <laughs> Don't eat Pokemon though. But uh and, and then I always have to say the ride is Big Thunder Mountain. It's just yes. it's always mm-hmm. just been my ride. Um and row 15. I mean it's just yes. hashtag last row fast row kind of a mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, I just I love that ride. Yes, that's yeah. that's actually my five-year-old's favorite ride. So our first day in the parks next week, we are she wants to see how many times we can ride it in a row before there's a long line. That is awesome. Yep, that's the five-year-old's dream. I hope. <laughs> the best for you all all, all the you. best <laughs> yes i love that ride i don't mind my husband doesn't mind my even my three-year-old he's so down for it so we're gonna see how many times we can ride it before we have to cut it off <laughs> nice and you know about the goat trick about watching yes. it oh absolutely we we don't have the kids do the goat trick yet um maybe we'll try this time yeah i, I don't want them flying out <laughs> or them getting sick or anything with their little stomach so but yeah we'll definitely tell them about the goat trick but they just can't even wrap their heads around it it's like a huge roller coaster for them so yes it's yeah that's i could talk about big thunder all all day but (laughs) so what we're really gonna dive into is just talking about like where walt came from um how he started animating I think I've talked a little bit about the inspiration between Main Street USA with his time in Marceline, Missouri, and then just coming up with the Walt Disney Company and then the legacy that he left behind after he passed away. So uh, David's going to chime in. Um, I have an outline. I studied a lot for this. and I sent the notes to David early because I was like, I just want to make sure we stay on track. So yes. As I said, we are celebrating his birthday, which is December 5th. So he was born actually in Chicago, Illinois in 1901, uh, Walter Elias Disney. His middle name is actually after his father, Elias. And this is a big shout out because my mom's actually from Chicago. There's a lot of ties actually to my family from his story that I was like, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like important dates were like my kids' birthdays and like just a lot of cool things. And he actually, I didn't realize he was the fourth son. I always thought it was just him and Roy. Yeah. We, we hear about them so much, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Herbert Raymond and then Ruth uh, was the, the sister. She was mm-hmm. the, the, the fifth one. Yes. So. Yeah. So they, he was one of five and then yeah. he didn't live in Marceline for very long. So he moved there really young and actually that's, only about a five hour drive from where my whole family lives in the Ozarks. And it's just slightly like if you're looking at um, Kansas city, it's Northeast. And then directly South from there is where I was born, (laughs) where my family's from. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't even realize how close it was. Um, My dad was at Fort Leonard Wood, which is just shortly from there too. And so was my husband. 
So yeah, a lot of family ties to the Disney family, which is really cool for me as a new fan. But so like we said, Marceline was inspiration for Main Street, an extremely formative time in his life. And I think this was even where his passion for trains kind of spurned up because his uncle was a conductor. Was it conductor? Um, I I don't know if he was a conductor. Uh, Robert um, was was the uncle. uh, And I I, I know he was he obviously was in he had some money. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was much more successful at, at businesses and everything than, than his brother, um, Elias. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I know he, he, the trains were a big, big thing in Marshalline and Kansas city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, later on, uh, Disney actually got a job on the trains, um, where he was settle, selling like sodas and everything. And then he would have to go and collect the, the, uh, the, the, the little bottle caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, being uh just you know as walt was uh he would leave his stuff everywhere and then people would either take his sodas and and take all the things and then he'd be like you know he'd come to roy and he'd be like my stuff is all gone and he'd be like you left it there (laughs) of course it is oh i didn't know that story that's awesome yeah Yeah. so and that will that will obviously build and we learn like the railroad was a big part of the parks but so yeah after marceline they moved to Kansas city and you see this pattern where they moved around a lot. And kind of like what David said, Elias jumped around businesses a lot. He wasn't as successful as uh, Walt's uncle. And, but even though Elias wasn't as stable when they were in Kansas city, he began working a paper route with Walt. And so that kind of created habits and discipline to helping his dad on the paper route that Walt still contributed even in his older years he said like working that with my dad and even though his dad jumped around jobs it he taught him a lot like it wasn't that he he just like bypassed his dad or like his dad didn't still take the time he was very important into creating who Walt was and designing Disneyland and having that discipline and that drive to do so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It, yeah that um I, I cannot imagine being that age uh, that Walt was when he was in Kansas City and and having to do that paper route. Um, he, you know, the, the stories would be that he would wake up at like three, four in the morning. And, and this is like Walt, like around nine, 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old. And he, he said that he really had like no childhood, you know, because he was he was working early in the morning, delivering the papers. And he had the legit like stories of like walking in the snow. He said there's at times there was like snow buffers up to his head uh, and and he would have to trudge through all the snow. Um, And he said, you know, sometimes he would, uh, he would even get some warmth uh, in some of the apartment buildings that he would go into like the lobbies Mm -hmm. and he would like fall asleep. And so, yeah, I'm just like, what a trooper. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's like the classic stories where you hear your parents like, I walked uphill both ways, but like, no, he really did right? the no, thing. He like right. <laughs> he was legit. I cannot and, imagine like a kid today, like doing like just walking around. And then sometimes it would say no. like he would um he would miss uh some some homes maybe or uh some people didn't see where his newspapers were. And so his father would make him go back out and then he had to go to school. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my goodness! Go Brutal, that. yeah. Like right? I can't imagine. Like, yeah, and then he would have to do it again in the afternoon. He would do some paper routes in the afternoon time, um, and 
And then he said even sometimes where he would have to do a little extra money because his dad would take all of his money um, because he was a very frugal, frugal father. Um, he would take that. And so if he wanted any extra spending money, he was working um, as a candy salesman uh, during his recess times. I'm just trying to like fathom like, like, first of all, you can't even leave school today. Like, let no. alone like back then, it was just like, hey, teach, I'm, I'm going to be gone for a second. I got to go work a, a candy gig over here, get some extra money. Yeah, during my 45 minute lunch period, I'm going to go get another a second paycheck. Yeah, and then the people were doing it, were letting him. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he'd come in at like, you know, 12, 11 years old, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Go work the counters, Walt. You know, it's like, just think of times. Yeah, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I I just can't imagine how responsible like he had to be at such a young age. Yeah, right. And then I I wish I looked into this. Did his siblings do the same thing or was he kind of like, do you know if he was like a one and alone? So, uh, her because Herbert and and Raymond were much older than mm -hmm. than Walt obviously. They um they were too fed up. They got fed up with their their father's antics and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and they actually both um, they in the night they uh, they ran away. Oh, um, that's so that's sad. why we don't really hear about them too much. And okay. they they really had kind of more of a negative um, look at uh, on their father. Um, so where Walt and Roy were kind of more of that that younger years. Um, Roy was. Um, what well, I think about seven or so years older than Walt. Mm -hmm. So he did help out with the newspaper route, but once he went into high school, it was pretty much Walt. So that's why it was really that Walt Roy combo, but then it was just really Walt doing all of the work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then Ruth just kind of, because she was a few years younger, she, um, she didn't really get into any of that. So, mm -hmm. and but, yeah. especially the stereotypes of like boys roles versus girls roles back. Mm -hmm. I hope that, I hope I said that right. Girls roles back in the day. Yeah. Like it, it just wasn't the same yeah. in the early yeah. 1900s. Like that seems so mm -hmm. long ago, but it wasn't. So yeah. So Walt's doing all these extracurricular jobs. Um, but then yeah. he also began car studying cartooning at a charter school and took classes at the Kansas city art Institute and school of design. And so I, I was trying to understand, this doesn't seem like a normal charter school like what we have now, because a charter school now is like, it's a different kind of like middle school or a different kind of high school. But it sounded like he almost was taking like college classes while he was in high school to do these design yeah, classes. It, yeah, because he did do that. And I, I think um, if I remember correctly, uh, he, he wasn't too fond of like the homework and, and the teachers and all that stuff. And so he, he never mm -hmm. really past like came out of that and graduated or anything um because he was just kind of such a free he was just a like free bird he was just kind of doing his own thing um uh it, it, but the really cool thing is too is is how um he describes it how he just he loved drawing from the from the moment that he could pick up a pencil mm -hmm. um and it was really neat how he has these fond memories of his um his aunt uh, uh i think it's Margie or Margaret, um, it was uh, Robert's wife. Uh, because they had more money, they were able to buy him uh, crayons and paper, and they would always encourage him, as any family member would. And, and I mm -hmm. think that's so cool that those memories really stuck with him. And yeah. then uh, what's even really uh, cool too is they had a neighbor. I think it was in Kansas City or in Marshalline. It was one of those two. Uh, Doc Sherwin, uh, and and he was a retired doctor. 
And uh, he would really encourage Walt to draw too. So he would come over to his house and uh, Walt would draw these pictures for him. And he would even give him like a little nickel or something. And, yeah. you know, basically kind of be that, that father figure in that way of encouraging him to draw. And then even hanging his, his photos up uh, mm. around uh, his house too. So yeah. there was a lot of these people, including the Institute, that really encouraged Walt uh, in those little memorable ways. So mm-hmm. it's important that like, even if we have kids, you know, and, and it's, it's those little, even those little things like, Hey, you're doing a great job. You know, like, let me hang that up on the refrigerator. What kind of impact those little moments would, will be in some, you know, young person's life. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think about my daughter because she makes me like these cute little pictures. Like she'll draw me Disney castles all the time. And I always try and hang them up because I don't get all art. Like I won't, I'm not gonna pretend like I do, but she loves yeah. it. And like my husband's side of the family are super artistic. My husband just like doodles, beautiful flowers and stuff. And it's oh, just so amazing neat. to see what it could turn into just after like researching Walt's story. I was like, Oh, these, mm-hmm. like I'm seeing these little things that even my daughter's doing. And so it's just, it's really cool to see how it, blo- like it can grow to a theme park, but now I'm jumping ahead to the yeah, legacy yeah. part. But know, right? yeah. his life interweaves so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's and yeah, just an inspiration for so many people. But yeah, so to go along with their moving, they moved back to Chicago when he was in high school. And I know we kind of already talked about not really finishing that, but I think it's important to note that he was part of the school paper. And if like, cause I was digging. So if any of this information is wrong, David, please let me know because. No, no, that's right. No, that's, that's a good point. So yeah. So he was working for a school paper and he was taking photographs, um, creating drawing drawings and would continue studying cartooning on the side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he really loved it and got a lot of attention from it. Um, during, during that school time. Yeah. Yeah. And then world war one hit. (laughs) And yep. so he paused. And what I thought was really awesome was that he started driving an am- as an ambulance driver for the American Red Cross in both France and Germany. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in fact, actually, the way he got that was he actually he uh, he lied on his uh, his little uh, certificate thing. As they did. Uh, yeah. Because he wanted to go fight, but they would only let 18 year olds fight. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, we have Red Cross that you can drive for, but you have to be 17. And him and his buddy were like, yeah, we're 17. And they were really 16. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he actually had to change, which is really funny again, because it's, you know, you're thinking like, this is the military of the United States. And they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. That, that works out. You wrote it. So it must be true. I don't it like, must be true. <laughs> it's, it's totally different these days. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I just, because I don't know if you know, but I'm actually active duty military. So I'm in the air force. Yeah. And, um, Oh, (laughs) thank you. And it's, I, I have such a big connection. Like my grandfather was in world war two. My dad's a Vietnam vet. And it's just like seeing that like really hit home as like, if you, if I didn't think I could like Walt Disney more is that now he, he did everything he could to help. Like, it's just, it's like, he's a whole, he's a whole, like, I don't even know how to describe him, but it's just really awesome. Like connection. Renaissance man, uh, yeah, there it is. There it is. That's a perfect, Seriously, he is a Renaissance he, man. It's like, if, if the guy could do anything, he, he did it all. Yeah. <laughs> he did it all. Like it's, it's bananas, but, <laughs> and then, so once world war one was done, he came back and then he moved back to Kansas city 
1919, and this is where he met Ub, and I, I, I feel like I always say it, but it's Iwerks, correct? Ub Iwerks? Yeah, Iwerks. Yeah. Yes. And he was, if you don't know, credited to helping Walt create Mickey Mouse. And I think this he's a really important person because when things started going south with um oh my gosh i just spaced with oswald he was one mm-hmm. of the only ones that stuck by him so i i wanted to give like an honorary mention to uh because i just thought that was really cool with yeah, through that whole debacle so many times and and mm-hmm. walt would always come out um looking good and i uh, would always kind of take more of the hit mm-hmm. um so even in all of those uh throughout all of the the uh, i think there was like three or four studios that they opened up together mm-hmm. and I've always kind of <laughs> took the, took the hit on it, but what a nice guy. What a nice guy. Yeah. And Honestly. then he even, he, he left the company. I can't remember the times he left the company and then he came back and he was like, okay, I want to be a videographer now. So he went from being like a lead cartoonist and then mm-hmm. was like, okay, I want to come back and do something different. And yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And even if you walk down Magic Kingdom, he one of the Main Street USA buildings has his names on it. It's and it's for the videographer company that's on Main Street. That's so he cool. has he, he has a tribute. That, that was something I looked up. I was like, oh, I hope he has one on Main Street. So he does at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. I fell I fell in love with Ub when I was doing this research. I was like, what a cool dude! Like, we love yeah. a loyal a loyal friend. Yeah. So yeah, so like like David was saying, they started a studio of their own in 1922, and they just started doing little clips, like one and two minute animated advertising films for their local movie theaters. And again, this is in Kansas City. And then at one point, this is where my research kind of like I couldn't get anywhere further than they were cheated by a New York film director, <laughs> and. It led to Walt actually filing for bankruptcy in 1923, and that was only about a year into that new studio with Ub. Yeah, I, and uh, so and yeah, that was that was one of the the three or four uh, uh, studios that he actually bankrupt in a matter of like about three years. Yes, um, yeah, which is crazy. Again, I mean, because he's only I think at this point like. 20 22 19 I think. or 20 yeah yeah he's okay. a real young guy and he mm-hmm. he just i'm like what again the the ambition and just the you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps how you can fail 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 mm-hmm. and yet come back to laughograms and then fail again um but yeah that's that's where he basically uh they bankrupt uh uh laughograms in i think it was like july of 23 and then that's where we get the famous story of him coming out to um, to New York, or he he was going to go to New York, but he ended up going to L.A. because his brother and uncle were there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, and then when he moved to California to pursue that career, he started doing the Alice films, which were a success. And how I understand the Alice films was that there was like a multiple compilation. I'm not going to say this word right. Compilation. What am I trying to say? compilation or thank you yeah (laughs) like multiple a little short and they were like a huge success and then that's when he decided to go into business with roy and that was 1923 if i'm tracking correctly yeah well and and they actually did their first alice comedies um which which is why it's it's so it's so crazy because it's like when he was still in laughograms um him and roy did the alice comedies he they did the first episode Mm -hmm. and it was uh, 
through laughograms and then that's when it went bankrupt but it was they had just enough time to get everything on a reel and have a copy of it so he was basically coming out to la with that first laughograms oh, that makes more sense now mm-hmm. and that's the one that he was able to sell to uh margaret winkler okay. and which she got confused because she's like okay well you guys are the Disney Brothers Studios, and this says Laughograms. So, <laughs> who is who's, this? Like, what who's... are you, and what is this? Are you stealing mm-hmm. something? Oh, so that's my why goodness. it's like. So they just continued Alice. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, going into the Walt uh, for the the Disney Brothers Studios. Mm-hmm. Okay, that so, makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, because there there was a lot of overlapping. Like, if you're trying to research Walt's life on your own, I suggest finding a good book <laughs> that they've done it for you because. I was going through these notes for like weeks trying to get everything like lined up, but yeah, it's it's confusing. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, all of the legends and and little lores that get kind of tricked around with all of the stories because Mm -hmm. he was such a huge man. There is so many huge stories. It's like, which one was real and which one was kind of real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and like, I try and keep track of more my sources. So like with my degree, that's a huge thing in psychology. And so I'm huge on my sources and I kept finding stories. And then I'd look at the source and be like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I should believe this. Like, because, you know, people get so excited and they want to share things and people embellish and you just never know. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a WaltDisney.org, I think it is, that helped me out a ton. Yeah. WaltDisney.org that touched on a lot of things but didn't dive into it like that's why i'm so happy david is here because (laughs) you're you're filling all the holes that i couldn't it's perfect yes but yeah so this is where we kind of like disney as we know it everyone thinks of like roy was the business manager and then walt was the creative mind behind the company and that's kind of how we like fans that i've really learned is we like to have a partnership along that way when we look at the leadership of the Disney company is based on how Roy and Walt work together. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me as someone who doesn't know the history as much as someone like you, David is I think of the first famous cartoon character was Oswald, the lucky rabbit, which I didn't even realize was a rabbit. Like this might be a little embarrassing to like a year ago. I thought it was just like a funny looking mouse. <laughs> I thought it was like, <laughs> which I just, Yes, he does have that like Mickey mm-hmm. flair, but it's just like long ears. And I, I, I always joke because I'm just like, if Oswald actually went the way that Walt wanted, we would be wearing rabbit ears around Disneyland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I've realized. I was like, oh, man, that right. would be interesting. Yeah. Just be, like walking around with like rabbit ears and we would be loving it. We would be having it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, go Oswald. Right? It's, it's yeah, just so we, funny. Like, we would Mickey Mouse, we would be like Oswald the Rabbit. He's the best. He's the and then Mickey, yeah, Mickey would have like one random like fake gas station in the park, <laughs> like he'd be <laughs> the, the outpost. Yeah. Yes. So when I was digging into Oswald, because I feel like this is a very formative part of how Walt's mindset changed, was that like depending on which article I read, it was like he was a huge success, but also a huge failure. So the more that you mm-hmm. dig in about Oswald, is is okay is Oswald was Walt's creation, but Walt was under contract with Universal. Yes. Yeah. So critics took to Oswald, but but Mintz, Mr. Mintz, who was over Universal Studios, who had worked with Walt during the Alice shorts, was trying to recreate Oswald, even though 
Walt was already doing Oswald. Am I, yeah. am I on the right track? Okay. No, yeah, you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, uh, because, so he was actually dealing with Margaret, his wife, um, okay. first. And it's once um, she got she got married to Charles, he basically took over, and w- which I, I think, you know, is a testament that you know you have Margaret Winkler who was in a very man's world back in the you know what was that like the she was in the nineteen twenties tens the nineteen twenties mm-hmm. and she's in a very man's world and so I think that's a testament right there too that you know you have her who is just you know, busting it out. And then that's when she got married. And then he basically came in and said, okay, I'm going to take over all of the the stuff. So yeah, he would always, he would always be a little harder on Walt um, with his business dealings. He mm-hmm. was saying, well, everything's looks sloppy or the animation doesn't look good enough. And to a point, Walt was like, yeah, you're right. I can, I'll try to gag it up a little bit more. I'll mm-hmm. try to make it look better in the animation. And it was just getting to a point where Charles was, giving a lot more hassle to Walt uh, to the point by the time the end of the uh, 1920s, you know, that's when he was just like, you know, I'm done, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just going to buy you out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So in 1928, there was a story that Mintz was actually, he was going behind Walt's back and actually took some of the animators from their company and and it was some number, I think it was like he only offered like it was between one and $4,000 for an additional contract, which actually would have accumulated a negative cost for Walt to continue Oswald. Yeah. And so this was happening in New York. And so learning about how he was sweeping up Walt's animators, Walt was t- like telegramming Roy back and forth, trying to figure out what to do. And Walt was trying to work uh, separate deals with Universal, but Mr. Mintz had already signed a new deal with the studio which led to Walt not even have any, having any ownership over Oswald any longer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think it was, I think even in those writings, you know, it, you have Walt who was writing his brother and, and just saying, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. just don't worry about it. I've got it covered when really it was, it wasn't, it was like, you know, um, and unfortunately too, this is like, prior to this all going down of even took him aside and said, dude, you know, uh, Charles and, and his brother, I think it was, I think it was brother-in-law, his, his brother-in-law was actually working at the, uh, the Disney brothers studios. So Charles almost kind of put this like little mole inside Walt and Roy's studio. Oh. And, and that's, that's oh. where he was doing. Uh, that's where he found out a lot of information about the animators and what was mm-hmm. going on. And so, he his uh this uh this connection with charles um actually approached up and said hey come with us and we'll give you more money and up was like no not gonna no. happen mm-hmm. and so even then walt didn't believe him and was just like you know don't worry about it you're probably just you know you're probably just you know thinking it all in your head and all that stuff so mm-hmm. once he went down there and he realized that uh oh mince is doing some foul play here he mm-hmm. was like uh, warned me about this yeah yeah and i think i was i was like is this why there's such a feud between universal and disney because if you look at like universals um it's their instagram page they say like still the best theme park dot 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 and i'm always like what where does that come from i, never know. I mean mm-hmm. honestly Walt, years later um after 
you know, disassociating himself with all of that. Um, he actually, I think it was Charles Mintz actually came back to Walt Disney um, to see if they can help distribute movies and things. And Walt was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, no, not even no, having Never um, again. Yeah. So, this was- you know, that was even in the 30s. And so I mm-hmm. wonder if there's still some bad blood in some weird way. Uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of the vibe I got because it, it was attributed that this was the time when Walt vowed he would never work for anyone again. He would never or he would only own everything that he created. And, mm-hmm. and even on his trip back home from this meeting was when he started designing Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And, and that's where there's, again, big man, big stories. It could have happened. Yeah. But it's okay. All, okay. So that was one of the stories. Legends. Okay. And I'll tell you, like, I, I would always think that was where Mickey Mouse started. It was on that train ride. And it, it was like, you know, he was like, at his you know last end of the rope there and he was trying anything and everything mm-hmm. and i i think we kind of like always that story because it's always that comeback kid kind of story yeah um but it, it never really it never really happened from a lot of the sources that he taught um that, that people have talked to the family members and everything um they they do know that lillian has stated that all he was saying was just that like you said I'm never going to work for anybody else. And he was Mm -hmm. fuming. Like he was mad. Oh, I Um, can imagine. Yeah. And I would not want to be a Lillian in those, in those moments. Cause wow. Like, (laughs) yeah, because how the contract shook out was that he had to continue doing Oswald shorts, even though like all this went down until the, into the thirties, like you were saying. Yeah, it it was um it, it was just until I think it was nineteen um twenty eight. So there was he still oh, okay. had about mm-hmm. a dozen or a half a dozen kind of like more Oswalds to do. Mm-hmm. So he he didn't have a lot, but yeah, I just learned about that um, just recently, and like I'm like wow, like talk about hurt upon hurt upon hurt, you know? That was it's just like, layers of trauma and like miss yes. like not trusting anymore either. You know, and I and I think that's. You know, it's like when we start to understand Walt from the early years and mm-hmm. how he just had, he was just down on his luck every single time. He had to fight for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the times when we look at him later in life and, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they say, well, yeah, Walt was a, a hard man to work with. And, you know, they would always joke in the office and everything after Bambi was made that, you know, they would say, you know, man in the forest, whenever you hear that cough coming down the hallway. You'd be like, mm-hmm. you get to work, you know, yeah. you make like you're doing something. And but I think that's just because, you know, of this so much, uh, you know, fight that he had to do that mm-hmm. he didn't want to fight it anymore. So, yeah. yeah it, and and I bet people don't even realize that when you work for someone that has high expectations and they know what you're capable of and they will hold you to that standard, you work so much better under those kind of pressures versus someone that's going to let you lollygag or do whatever. Like mm-hmm. I know for me, I've always performed at my best when I worked for my toughest commanders, like when I've worked for my toughest leaders and yeah. you rise to the, cha- you rise or you don't to the challenge and you'll either grow or you'll find a different job. So I think Mm-hmm. It probably was incredibly difficult, but it probably made them so much better. And like, look what came from it. Like, like unmatched, like Disney's yeah. company is unmatched to multi-million dollar companies across the globe. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's mm-hmm. why they're, I mean, they set the standards, honestly, oh, you know, yeah. that's why Disney set the standards back in the day. Um, you know, and, and I think there's so many stories where 
some of his top animators and some of his top people, you know, they would have never, he, he was always great at seeing the potential in everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he was like, he wasn't the best animator. He didn't even really have the best drawing skills, but what mm-hmm. he did have, it was, he had that, he had that vision and he had the ability to see the best in somebody and he would push. Yeah. People. And um, yeah, like you said, I mean, some, a lot of them stayed and, 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 and some of them left, you know, yeah. just do that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I just, it's, I'm it's, sorry. <laughs> we went so far deep. I was like, Ooh, let me bring myself up. Yeah. <laughs> You can go really deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're on the same page. Um, But yeah, I I just, I think that's we're talking about. Um, I think the only other thing I had about Oswald is um, I know when like Bob Iger came back to the Disney or came to the Disney company in 2005, he, one of his goals was to get all of Oswald back, but it, it spurned such an issue because he got sold to like all the different countries also. And so I was reading articles that said that the Disney company is still working to this day to get the rights to all of the different Oswalds that have spread across the globe. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, um, I think I have it cited. I think that was the Britannica um, article that I was reading that said like Disney is still making efforts to move because they keep finding like random Oswalds and then having to go through the legal document and like the legal process to get ownership of him again. And like, I think they found him in like Tokyo, China, France, um, Indonesia, I think had an Oswald too. So just like, he just like went out across everywhere. Like he just got sold. And so Disney's trying to like reel it back in. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, well, and, and I'm glad he, Iger did that um, and got Oswald back. I always think it's really funny how they traded a, an ESPN reporter to <laughs> Universal. Yeah, to, I read that. Oswald. I just think, like, what does he have to think about that? That reporter who <laughs> basically like, got traded for a cartoon character. <laughs> either like, you're like, my worth is really high, or my worth is really low. Like, it, it all depends on his own right? perspective. But like, like he's an iconic character. Like, let's build you up, ESPN reporter. Like, exactly. you're worth a million dollar character. <laughs> you know, I that's a great way to look at it. That mm-hmm. I love the positive side. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. because really, Oswald is really second to Mickey. I mean, oh, in, yeah. In the Disney Corporation, obviously. So I guess being traded to be the second, you know, to, to against the second character of Disney. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Be like, I'm worth, I'm worth, I'm worth an Oswald. What are you worth? <laughs> yeah, right? It's the original Mickey. <laughs> yeah. If Universal didn't get Oswald, we would be sporting ear, bunny ear rabbit. Years. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. We'd have these long, yeah. dangly things hanging off our heads. I, I still think they should make those. Like, I think that would, would be really cool. Oh, you know, they would sell. Yes. Yeah, we could totally do that. Yeah, trademark. I don't think we can trademark that, but <laughs> <laughs> we could try. Okay, so now we talked Oswald. So let's move into Mickey. So, and I was wondering if you know why we have two different birthdays for, for Mickey. Cause Walt has been quoted that Mickey's birthday was the first of October in 1928, but mm-hmm. universally, universally, the company celebrates both Minnie and Mickey's birthdays for the 18th of November, the same year. So regardless, they're, they're 94, but do you know why there's 
even though Walt's been quoted saying the 1st of October, why we do it on the 18th of November. You know, this is the first time I've heard October 1st. Um, yeah, and that was on WaltDisney.org, too. It was a direct okay. quote from him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you're cr- developing the character, because, mm-hmm. I mean, technically, you know, Mickey Mouse uh, and Minnie Mouse were created back in uh, in the early part of 1928. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the reason why we attribute uh, November 18th is more so just because that's when Steamboat Willie Steamboat came Willie. out. Mm-hmm. which again is even more confusing because that was actually the third, third. yes when i found that it blew my mind right because well, it's like we always go like oh steamboat willie that's every that's where everything started so it must have been the first one and it's like well no there's actually mm-hmm. plane crazy and then the galloping cow show yes mm-hmm. and and then there was steamboat willie but steamboat willie is like the the one but that was the one with synchronized sound Mm-hmm. And, so and that was, I think that, and, and that was really the one that that sound is really what saved Disney and, and mm-hmm. more so animation during those times, um, because you know everybody been doing animation, um, gosh, since the the mid nineteen like the nineteen tens, um, and you know I mean you even have Walt saying that uh, he, he was too late in the game. Because, I mean, at that point, you already had Felix the Cat, who was basically like the Mickey Mouse of that era. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world knew Felix the Cat. Um, and then you had the, uh, the I think it was the Fleischer Brothers, who did um, uh, Out of the Inkwell with uh, Coco the Clown. And so oh, everybody yep. mm-hmm. already been doing animation. Um, and, and, then, and then Walt comes in. Um, and so by that time in the late 1920s, animation was kind of on the outs. Everybody had already mm-hmm. kind of done what they felt they could do with it. And um, so it was in the middle of the production of the Galloping Gaucho. That's when synchronized sound technology came into play. Um, and that's basically when they were like, you know, let's stop the presses on Steamboat Willie and then turn it into put sound into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like overlapping again, even in, in all of that. So um, but yeah, October 1st, I'm not too sure. You know, well, he, he would always tell stories um, and sometimes they would line up, but most of the times each story that he told had a little different twist to it. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling so. right now. <laughs> Googling. Yes, yeah. I'm going to dive um, into it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, it's like even even the name, uh, even like the name of Mickey Mouse, um, the way it was created. I mean, some stories Walt attributed Lily to to naming Mickey, and then other times he said, "No, I made I I named Mickey Mickey." And so, it's it's funny how you know it's just that old grandpa you know story where everyone <laughs> just has a little different flair to it. Yes, and yeah. Like, Which one really was it? Yes. Whatever so. I, I pulled up the article that I pulled this from um, yeah. on WaltDisney.org. And it's even a joke that it's like Mickey's floatable birthday. And it it turns out he didn't really have a specific date for his birthday in the beginning. But when Walt was doing a interview, he said, Mickey Mouse will be five years old on Sunday. He was born on October 1st, 1928. That was the date on which his first picture started. So we have allowed him to claim this day as his birthday. So I'm wondering if that was who, it wasn't Galpin Gaucho. It was, um, 
Plane Crazy was his first Plane, one. Yeah, Plane Crazy. I wonder if it was that, and then with Steamboat Willie coming out, maybe they, the corporation maybe just shifted. But, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's even a bit. joke. It's even a joke on his own website. Mm. <laughs> his own .org. Love it. Love it. <laughs> it's just one of those things. And I, I think attributing it to him, because he was a grandpa, I think people don't really think about that. Like, I know my yeah. grandpa used to tell the craziest stories all the time. Like, he... It was just one of his stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. and I, I love I love how even the the creation of Mickey Mouse was like total top secret. Um, I think that's <laughs> you know not not too many. I, like I just kind of like realized like, like dawned on me that uh, while they were doing Oswald, um, basically right when he came back from New York losing everything, he, that's when he got with of iWorks and mm-hmm. just started like zeroing in like okay we need a character now otherwise this will be like the other this will be the next studios that we bankrupt oh uh, yeah because yeah. they were already hugely in debt from universal and doing all the other mickeys and oswalds and everything mm-hmm. or the, the oswalds but um so they basically had to borrow against so much just to make playing crazy and yeah. works did uh an astonishing 700 pages uh, of drawings per day which at the time oh there was another kind of famous animator who did 600 drawings and he, and he was kind of like the gold standard, but of iWorks was just so bent on being the best animator that he was pumping out 700 drawings a day and they were able to get plain crazy done in a matter of like, I think a week and a half or like two weeks tops all in the cover of darkness, find you also. Oh, cause so, it's all like, secret. It yeah, yeah. Like a full day. And then meanwhile, Ub would be in the back behind a curtain, like drawing and everything. And everybody would be like, you know, what's Ub doing back there? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> and then they would go film and, and paint everything at night in uh, in their garage. So, uh, that, oh and gosh. that's on, um, I think it's Lyric Avenue. So you can still drive by that same house mm-hmm. uh, in L.A. So it's really neat how you can see, like, that's where the first Mickey cartoon was created. Was, was created. Garage. Yeah, it's it's like all it's like Apple, like it all started in a garage and Amazon, like it all started in a garage. garage. Yeah, that's so I didn't know that. That's a really cool tidbit. That's awesome. So, so yeah, they after those three, it next was Silly Symphonies with the skeleton dance, which is like my favorite. And then Three Little Pigs. And then it just kind of kept going. Mm -hmm. And they blew up. And it was yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, Silly Symphonies really, uh, really caused a lot of um, eyes turning. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, it, it just the and the, it's really cool how Silly Symphonies started because um, Carl, um, I think it's Sterling, they he was their the Disney uh, Studios first music director. Okay, and mm-hmm. he had been playing music kind of like that for all the silence and everything um, for so long that he just was like, "Hey, Walt, like." You know, I've been playing music for everybody else, but why can't we, why can't I make some music and then you do a cartoon to that? So let's reverse it. Mm-hmm. Instead of you making the cartoon and I play the music, let's go run the other way. And and it's really neat because he was actually looking back on his own life and he remembers a, a little skeleton character that he um, got as a toy when he was like single digits, like I think four or um, somewhere around there. And he was like, well, let's make a let's make a cartoon about dancing skeletons. 
And so that's where the skeleton dance came in. And it's he, just so simple. I, I know, right? I mean, it's, it's just, just classic. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the whole reason why Silly Symphonies came about was because Walt didn't want the same thing to happen that happened with Oswald. He wanted to basically um, kind of diversify a little bit mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, at this point, um, you know, Mickey was going pretty strong, but he, he noticed that he's like, if, if Mickey Peters out, we don't have anything to fall back on. So let's do these silly symphonies that aren't going to be a main character. It's going to be anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, something's always going to be different. And it's going to be, you know, Carl's music. So, yeah, it's it's really cool how that all attributed. And yeah. he, even um, Hanna-Barbera's, um, it was uh-huh. um, the Hanna. Um, I think his name is Joseph or Josh. Uh, I think it's Joseph. Um, he actually got into cartooning because he saw the Skeleton Dance premiere in New York. He was like a young little oh. boy in the in the theaters. He sees the Skeleton Dance and he's just like blown away, which is Again, when you look at the skeleton dance and cartoons like that, you're like, those are just so simple cartoons. But back mm-hmm. then, it was revolutionary technology. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. like the, you know, the Avatar three-dimensional high-def movies uh, of the time. And so that's what really attributed him to be going into cartooning. And then later on, he, him and Barbara come into play. And that's where you get oh Hannah gosh. Barbera and the Flintstones. Scooby-Doo? And- Scooby, I love yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah. It's all thanks it's to Disney. All, <laughs> so I mean, it's all full circle. I love it. it seriously, and, and a lot of even Walt animators were went to into Looney Tunes. They they created Looney oh, Tunes. They yeah, created about that? Uh, the Pink Panther. So a lot of people, a lot of the great cartoons that we have in the classics came from the Disney studios back in the day. So I mean, I it's love just it. like. Mind-blowing. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Know, right? It's And that's touching into the legacy part is like, we don't realize how much, you know, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll just talk about it now, but even like the animatronics and how like science evolved from how Walt wanted ride attractions to be has changed everything outside of theme parks. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just amazing how I like, I didn't even, I'm, my mind's blown right now. I can barely talk, but like Scooby-Doo, if we're not watching Disney Plus, we're watching Scooby Doo, and the fact that that can even tie back to Disney, yeah, mind blown. It's he it's, it's really awesome. world. Uh, yeah, he he truly did change the world in so many more ways than mm-hmm. we think. I mean, we think of Disney, we just think you know cartoons, Mickey Mouse, and the theme parks, but it was literally so much more. I mean, so much. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's insane. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I see in your notes here, you even have like the three little pigs. I mean, that that cartoon blew up because. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the song that was attributed to the depression. It gave people hope. You know, mm-hmm. who's afraid of the big bad wolf? The wolf was, you know, the depression and everything. And so it really gave people the ability to say, you know what? We can beat this because if the little pigs can beat the wolf, you know, we can, we can... beat the depression and we can beat this these hard economic times as well. So, and and that, you know, they won Academy Awards and and just like all these different movie things just for cartoons too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They, they broke records with everything that they won that came out of the studios. Yeah. Except for, I think I read somewhere that he got honorary Oscars for Snow White and he was like, thank you for these honorary Oscars. They really didn't even have like, 
uh, an, an Oscar award for cartoons. And so mm-hmm. it was like, since it was like a brand new medium, yeah, that's basically where they they created the statue with the, the seven And it little, had the seven, seven little, little dwarves, yeah. yeah. And Shirley Temple presented it, and he even said, like, this was the best film of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, you tell him. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so... We just went off on another tangent, but I love the tangents. Um, going back, so iWorks was kind of running the like the staff in Disney Company, and how I understood was Roy was handling the business dealings and got merchandise out, which I think was also a very big point, was that they really started monetizing on what they could do with the characters they were creating by selling it to the masses to create even more revenue and profit for the company. Yeah. Mer- merchandise really basically fed um, into the cartoons and mm-hmm. Kate Kamen um, successfully merchandised Mickey because at this time, a lot of people started grappling onto Mickey, making a lot of just, you know, they were basically, they were stealing. There was so many, so many copyright mm-hmm. infringements and everything. And Kate Kamen um, basically came in and said, Hey, look, uh, again, one of those success stories comes from the Midwest. I think he, he was in Kansas, comes from the Midwest, takes all of the money, everything that he has. He comes to the studios and he basically just puts it all on the table. And he says, this is all I have. Um, and I want to buy into, I want to help you guys. I want to just do whatever I can. And, um, you know, I'll get a couple of little bit of profits from here and there on the sales. But, you know, let, let me help you out. And, and he did. And they were like, okay, like do it. Mm-hmm. So he basically got licensings and everything for Mickey, the dolls that, that we know about. Um, and so every, all the, the money that came from that just poured back into the, the Mickey shorts. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the like sketchy articles I read said like, that was really one of the first times that was ever really done in like monetizing merchandise, dr- tying directly into like a film or a short or anything like that. Like it was, the Disney company was one of the first ones to do that. Yeah. And then yeah. I think one of the bigger transitions was when they started doing the animated movies. So like snow or actually, I don't know if snow white was considered a movie yet. Like we were saying with the Grammys, cause they just didn't ha- have a title to put on it. Cause it was so different yeah. from everyone else. Yeah. It was the full, it was the first uh, feature length um, mm-hmm. animation. There it was, yeah, feature-length yeah. animation, yeah. And so I thought it was really interesting. I, I still don't understand how long it takes to make animated movies, but it took them three years. So they started Snow White in 1934, but that yeah. film wasn't released until 1937. And that was like, that's what we attribute as like the first princess and the first film that the Disney mm-hmm. company ever created. Yeah, it, it, the the reason why it took so long is because it was the first of its kind. And again, there was a lot of people scoffing it and just like, nobody's going to like, nobody's going to even sit through like an eight minute cartoon anymore. Like, you know, these, Mm -hmm. these are great. Eight minutes is fine, but you're kidding for 60, you know, plus minutes. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's going to do that. But what's really actually interesting is, is it was really the Mickey shorts that spurred on his, his uh, idea to go full feature length. Um, and I think that's what is so interesting about Walt was he was never, he never stopped at, mm-hmm. at one thing. He was always doing something. The thing that he was always doing was always a steps, a, a stepping block to the, to the next thing. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it started off with, you know, um, comics in the newspapers, which then led into animation, which then led into feature length. But when he was in Europe, um, he noticed that the uh, the people in, in um, all the European countries, they would watch Mickey cartoons like back to back to back to back. They would watch like six to eight of them, like just in back and just be enthralled and then want to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So that's what really got him thinking, you know, if people are watching you know, an hour's worth of Mickey cartoons and then watching it all over again. Let's do something like a full length animation. And people were like, no, this is weird, man. Like, you, you <laughs> can't do that. Like, no, you're, you're wacky. You're, you're wacko. Nobody's going to do that. But um, he, it, what it took him so long was because he, he was nitpicking every scene, every cell, every, Every little thing he was just nitpicking on, um, but he wanted it to be the best. And I, I think mm-hmm. that, again, like we, we talked about earlier is, you know, he, he had that drive and he had that, he knew what he wanted. So, you know, people had to step up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And it makes me, so I was raised that Snow White's not a good movie, but now doing all this research, I want to rewatch it with like new eyes of like appreciating for when it came out of like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I need to rewatch it. Cause that's like my whole family's like, we don't watch Snow White. Like she's a damsel in distress. That's not how we like to view women, <laughs> like very forward thinking. And that's like, since I was a child, but now I'm like, okay, I actually need to rewatch that. I want to sit with my daughter and just really take yeah. it in as like, no, this was like the first film of its kind like this started everything that we know now as like cartoon movies that people love and pay money yeah. to go see so that's on my to-do list after doing all this research because i think i can appreciate snow white a lot yeah. more and, than it did before I mean, that, that was the other thing too that he wanted he he wanted he was striving for emotion too that mm-hmm. was the other thing because a lot of the cartoons back in the you know and back in those days you you really kind of had like a little bit bit of a disconnect between the character build and and you know and that emotion. He really wanted to connect that. So that was the other thing that he was really he really tackled, and he he really made his animators go to that level. Was you know like you know his big thing was at the end when the dwarfs were crying, and he was like so meticulous. You know they were like okay, well we got to have Grumpy cry. But when do we have grumpy cry, you know, yeah. and, and is he going to ball or is he going to like have this stoic look or is he going to have that single tear that just drops down his face? And oh. it's like, bam, you know, yeah. and on the on the opening premiere night, he, he was in the back and like nervous as can be, of course, because this yeah. was like he was either going to bomb or he was going to like be successful. And he just said, like, at every point where they wanted the emotion to be there, it was there. People were applauding during, Mm. while watching, like you're going to go watch it on your sofa and you're going to be like, that was a good movie. Like, oh, like for people to be applauding when, you know, the, the prince comes in or when she runs away or when the dwarves are there and when they're done singing, like they're just like clapping and standing in ovation. And then they sit back down and keep while this cartoon is going again. (laughs) my mind like oh my gosh oh my gosh this could turn into one of my favorite movies i'm excited to watch it now yeah got me all fired up no, it's 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 neat it's neat to yeah. know that's that backstory so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's really important to think about. And that's something I like I had never even thought about was it's like you said, just another movie, like good job. But yeah, if you put yourself in that time frame and how monumental that was, like mm-hmm. it's it might change your outlook. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make that my to do list. And we're before we leave for Disney. And then that'll be the first ride we ride <laughs> Disney after Big Thunder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now I think we can move into Disneyland, the park, um, and how that came about. So I loved, because I didn't know this, so it it was originally going to be named the Mickey Mouse Park or Mm -hmm. Disneyland, Disneylandia. Yeah, yeah. So in the memo that Walt sent to employees in 1948, it did say Mickey Mouse Park on it. Um, Mm -hmm. But then obviously it changed around and Walt purchased 160 acres in the early 1950s and the construction began in 19... 54 and i have actually watched documentaries about disneyland being formed i didn't realize he literally did it in a year like it wasn't a year and a half it was like a year that he got disneyland built like legit like i think they had all the permits and all the property and everything it was like july or august of of 54 Mm -hmm. and yeah Yeah, a testament Again, uh, the, and they, the, and they, they were kind of like ran out of time, like last minute, but uh, <laughs> yes. there was a lot yeah. of, uh, what kind of slowed it up was a lot of the unions um, because they were working with Orange County unions mm-hmm. and then they had the Burbank Studios artist doing that. So that kind of helped trip up. And of course, then it was the bank and the funding and the money and everything mm-hmm. because, you know, originally it was, I think, six million. And then in the end, yeah. it was like 17 yeah yeah 17 was the final number yep and and i think everyone kind of knows this story was that uh walt was inspired by taking his daughters to the carousel um at griffith park in los angeles and he was thinking like he wanted to build a place that parents could take their kids and get away from the stress while i don't think disneyland is (laughs) stress-free for parents (laughs) as a parent myself it can be a little stressful but i think um that's really what he was trying to emulate um he was receiving letters from fans stating that they wanted to visit the studios and that even motivated him further to design a place for people to visit so like we said one year later on the 17th of july 1955 the park opened and they had five million guests in their first year And I think like what David was saying, they were literally like finishing up building up to they opened the parks that morning. And I think it was like they didn't have running water. Um, People were like hopping over the gates because they didn't have enough people ticketing them to come in, like hopping over walls at Disneyland. Like you can't you can't do that now. But yeah, it I, I think it's 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 always well, and you know what's really interesting is like so we think like okay when the park opens or like anything opens it's like well you know what eight a.m. to midnight right and you just mm-hmm. like you know you go right on in but um, they actually had um, staggered um, times and everything uh, of coming in and I think the first staggered time was like uh, ten a.m. And, and, uh, and so then they would kind of let some in and, and then, you know, let more people in, but a lot of, see the problem too, is like the tickets said, um, you and a guest, but it never stipulated how, how many, many? It just said you and your party. And so yeah. some, there was one uh, story where a, a person came in with their party of three busfuls 
of people and they were just trucking them in. You know, it's like one of those things when you have, it's like those so silly things when you see like a coupon free, you know, free item or whatever. And it's like, well, you didn't stipulate how much. Yeah. So it's like people were just flooding in. Plus the, the, there's a story of the farmer in the backside of the Disneyland property. He built a ladder over up and over the wall and he was charging money for people. (gasps) Oh no. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then even the lands were opening up at certain times, but then they said um, the parks are going to be closed uh, at four o'clock for the ceremony at four 30. So nobody is coming in and nobody's coming out. And, you know, you have to imagine, you know, like you said, no water because of the the plumber strike. So they either had enough, um, manpower to put in uh, toilets or water fountains and Walt famously said well they're not going to pee in the street so you know <laughs> let them drink <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah yeah. Uh, you know and so because of that you know people were hot they couldn't get on the rides and there was all of this people wanted to leave and they were like no I'm sorry you can't leave the park like the, the opening <laughs> ceremony is going to be happening so yes so much interesting Oh, it was a mess. Like if you haven't watched that documentary on Disney Plus, definitely do because it really shows how they were moving on the fly throughout that whole day. Like it was not a perfect opening in, but it was still awesome and people loved it. Oh yeah. I mean, we think back on it and we're like, wow. Like I would have been there. Like, oh yeah. Miserable as it was, I would. (laughs) Just to be like, I was there. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch more that went wrong, but I think part of that documentary, it said, like, on cameras, it looked fine, but mm-hmm. as soon as, like, you could switch the camera just a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, you could see that it was just a lot. It was chaos everywhere. But I love—I I just love that story because it's just nothing's ever perfect, and they still just went with it, and they did what they could, and... Mm-hmm. And they're still learning from those those same lessons that they have to to this day. Oh, yeah. And I just and I think it so many people idolize Wall, and it's just like he did so much work, but still not everything was perfect. Like he was still trying striving to be even better. Yeah, and, and to, to even have you know to to know even half of what was going on, um, mm-hmm. and still just be like you know what optimistic, like we're we're gonna it's it's gonna be great. Yes, you know? exactly. Um, yeah. And he was yeah, like, Every, I mean, I, the, the things are going that, wrong, but things are also yeah. going right. And we're going to reflect on what's going right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so before we really talk about the legacy of Walt, I wanted to also touch base on his family because I know we talked about his dad and his, his siblings, especially Roy, but also we've talked a little bit about Lillian. So Lillian Disney was his wife. Uh, they got married in 1925. I believe they were both the age of 24. Um, Lillian had a really big hand actually in designing quite a few things. Like if you haven't seen the Lily bell on the back of the railroad, um, she designed Walt's apartment upstairs from the fire department. She even had a little bit of a hand in designing Royal 21, which kind of fell through after Walt passed, but her friends helped or got her input when they were designing. So she has a lot of life that she brought into the parks as well. And I think it's really important to give her credit too. And then they had two daughters, Diane and Sharon. And I didn't know when I was researching that Sharon was adopted. Yeah. They kept it and, very quiet. Yeah. And they, I I think they, that's really awesome. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, mm-hmm. today, I mean, gosh, it would have been how, normal. How yeah. Um, but of course, back then it was very, it was most taboo. Yeah. Um, didn't really do that. And it was like one minute they didn't have a, a second child and then all of a sudden they did. And um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's really fascinating that um, I don't know for whatever reason, um, just Walt always uh, kind of cherished Sharon, I guess, in that parent sense more than uh than diane so at times and it maybe it was because sharon would always go on trips with him mm-hmm. um, whenever he would go out and um, basically do reconnaissance um for new communities or his the latest thing that he was involved in um she would be the one to go on those trips so yeah and the, she she was adopted when she was only like weeks old from the hospital so th- she didn't know a time like they she was their child through and through, like regardless of bloodlines. Oh, yeah. And, and she grew up around the family and then Diane, Sharon, I didn't see had any children, but Diane had seven yeah. grandchildren or children. So that was Lillian and Walt's seven grandchildren. And a couple of years ago, all of the grandchildren did an interview at the Disney family museum and they just refer to Walt as grandpa the whole time. Like I, I just read the script of it and they, and the head narrator was reading like letters that Walt had written to his aunt talking about like eat when each kid was being born and how excited he was. And then like, um, I think it was his third, no, 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 maybe the fourth or fifth was the second I grandson. The fifth, the fifth one. Yeah. The fifth that was named after him. Yeah. And like how, awesome that was for him and he was like she finally did it like it was just so sweet and he was passing out cigars and just living it up like, yeah i think he was almost more excited for the fifth one than he was for the first yeah, one yeah that's the vibe i got from the letters too <laughs> yeah like, all of them are great but number five Ash. Okay, yeah my boy. name yeah <laughs> that's my boy yeah and what i really loved was that each of the grandchildren pretty much said that he who he was as a person was the same person that people saw on TV was he he loved his guests he would always talk to the cast members when they're at Disneyland and he cared for everyone and was genuinely like a kind man like where yeah he was like a certain way at work like business was business but ultimately like Disneyland was his love and he cared immensely for everyone and he wanted to make sure his like they talked about how he would stick his pockets full of like autograph notes to make yeah. sure he had enough to give everyone when he would walk around Disneyland. And I think that's really special that the person that we create in our heads, it's like, okay, yes, thank, thankfully he was that person. Like it wasn't like he was some secret monster and like, even yeah. he was great with it, the grandchildren. He was great with the cast members. Like, and if you do any of the guided tours at Disneyland, they'll tell you essentially the same thing too, is that, he would sit down and talk with people like during construction of Disneyland, he would make sure he like got their insight of like, how's construction going? Do you think we're doing it right? Like come drink orange juice with me. Like it, he was, yeah, I love it, that story. Uh, me just, too. I mean, just Walt walking down, you know, main street in his bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah. the morning, uh, and, and just kicking it with the workers, you know, just like he loved freshly squeezed orange juice. Yes. And yeah. It's, I believe it's, it's where the uh, the Gibson girl is. That yep. Used to yep. Be mm-hmm. Place and yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like he'd have the keys, so he could do that. He could just yeah. like go up the floor and be like, 
let's go have a shake. Let's go have a, an orange juice. You know, just... Yeah. And I, I especially love that they even like caught on. And so they started doing orange juice in his apartment and he was like, no, that's not what I want. Like I want to make the orange juice. And he, even though they yeah. supplied it for him, he would still walk down main street and go squeeze his own orange juice. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it like, makes... like, there's no fun in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he was like, no, this is, I want to do it. Like, and it just tastes better. It hits different when it's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think all that, like, now talking about Walt's legacy, and I know David and I have talked about it quite a bit throughout the episode, is just that he, his creation and his drive really created a whole new world for his fans and for, like, society as a whole and inspired people, like, for me especially, to be kinder, uh, to be better, to dream and imagine, like, we're always going to run into failures, like, so did Walt. Like, everyone's going to hit a bumpy bumpy part in their in their life with family with your career or whatever and I think from doing this research it was like Walt did it too and like that's a huge inspiration I think that's part of his legacy yeah and he yeah and he did work too a lot of the times <laughs> I mean you know yes. I mean you know I, I even think about like even when he he was building Disneyland and he needed just a little bit more money he he you know he took uh the whole lien against his life insurance which mm-hmm. really freaked out Lillian because she was like if you die or anything right now we're done for like you know mm-hmm. like he would, he would be selling off his assets just to pour into the company and and it's like when things weren't going this way it's like that's okay we'll we'll just we'll figure out another way you know mm-hmm. we'll figure out some more ways we'll we'll hustle other ways and I, I think that that really is something that I cling to it's just like is it's just so cool and inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. to say like, you know, you're down on your luck. It's okay. There's always a way out. And you know what, when everything is like, you know, against you, that's okay. There's going to be a way out. There's a yeah. lot of things like that is yeah. like, I think that's something that, you know, we all should be able to know is like, you know, just, a, you know what, I might have it bad, but Walt, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he went, yeah, he went through it and he, yeah, he did the dang thing. Yeah. And I think when you really, if you look at the data, like from, I, I can't even count how many movies, how many shows, how many shorts have come from his creations. And then if you think about like, he has four international parks, not just Disneyland, but Disney World. And it like this huge, amazing community that we can design, but like, what I love so much about Disneyland itself is that he created a space for kids and adults to just go and enjoy life and forget mm-hmm. about the stress and like to have fun. And my husband and I, our motto is like, we want to be Disney parents. Like when we take our kids to Disney, we're so much calmer. We're so much more relaxed. Like we can have so much more fun with our kids. And it's, it's such a change in our outlook since we went for the first time in 2021 and it's because that's what Walt cultivated, like in his parks. That's what he wanted for parents and for kids. Well, like I said earlier, it's not stress free. Like, unfortunately, that's just not the life we yeah. live in these days. But I think that's an amazing part of his legacy. Like, yes, he's considered one of the most like su- successful industrialists in society, but also just like what David was saying, the inspiration and that drive that you can get past any like huge hurdle, like huge setback he like really paved a way for a ton of people and created like this just amazing place where 
we can see by example that you can create and do amazing things out of zero money, <laughs> zero yeah. dollars, um, just a whole lot of inspiration and grit and strength. And yeah, I just think it's and if you have a cockamamie idea, go for it because yeah. it might be next Disneyland. It might. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love it. Just even like that story, how when he was creating it, like everybody was just like, what are you doing? Like, again, it's mm-hmm. like the, the future of like the animation. Now it's like this theme park. Why would you want to do that? And what I always found was neat was when I was talking with my grandma, because she'd lived in Long Beach all of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we'll just say very long. So <laughs> we'll <give it> <laughs> yeah. hi grandma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, she would always tell stories about how she would be one of the looky loos that would go out and see this, like, why would anybody want to make this a dirty theme park? Because that's what they were back in those days. Oh, you know, she yeah. remembered the, uh, the theme, the, uh, I think it was the Pike over in Long Beach area. And she said, Oh, that was just not a good place. That carnival atmosphere. That that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The carnival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was dirty. It was run down. That's where all the low lives went. That's where all, you know, mm. you would never want to really stay there or let your kids run around. And so a lot of people, when they heard Disneyland, like that's what they attributed to. And they just couldn't think of anything beyond that. But, mm-hmm. you know, Walt was just like, no, this is, there's going to be a place. And, and I think yeah. there was even one report going all the way back into the 30s where when they were promoting Snow White, so going back to that movie, mm-hmm. um, that he created this little Snow White dwarf village out in front uh, of the movie theater. And a, some person, uh, there was one animator that said it was that reference where Walt made, you know, said like, we should have a place that has where kids can run around and have like a theme park, like, like a like a place where, where they can run through those little houses and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was even one report where Disneyland could have almost been formed from from that aspect too. Oh, and there yeah, was, ties back to that. Mm-hmm. Way where Walt kept saying, you know, there should be a, we should make this into a, a theme park. We should make this into a place where where people can run around in these movies and these, these places that we're making. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it's really cool how, Disneyland almost had a, a concept all throughout Walt's animation um, mm-hmm. kind of life area. So it, it wasn't just from one moment in his life. It was multiple moments that just yeah. finally it hit him in the head and he was like, I got to do this. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, so it's, good. It's really, it's me. So I think this has been one of my favorite episodes to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So much. There's so much more. I'm, I'm, I'm like almost holding back because I, I don't. I, don't I know. But I mean, you know, like even like the creation of like Disneyland, um, it was actually going to start um, at the Walt Disney Studios, like on, on the current lot that it is right now. Okay. Um, yeah. We always know about Mickey Mouse Land across the street, um, where the Animation Studios is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think I read that yeah, somewhere. But it, it actually started in the back lot of of uh, about where the Zorro parking is now. Mm-hmm. Currently, uh, where if you if anybody's ever gone, uh, it's kind of like where you check in for like the D twenty threes areas. But it was only going to be like two acres, and so you had like animators that would look out their window and they would see Walt pacing around uh, the parking lot, and he he cleared you know the area out. He said, "Don't put anybody put any junk here or anything." 
because I have an idea for something. But then, it, you know, two and a half acres was, he's like, where is anybody going to park at? Oh, so yeah, yeah. Across the street. Um, and thankfully, uh, Burbank, um, was it, or, uh, Bur uh, yeah, no, Buena, Buena Park. No, Burbank. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Is that it? I'm like getting confused. I always get confused between Burbank and Buena Park. No, it's Burbank. Um, I'm going to believe everything you say anyways. <laughs> right here but actually it's the, it was the city council that finally just said no we're not going to have this ruckus of a theme park in our city so mm -hmm. so thankful that that happened otherwise we disneyland would be you know a 10 acre little lot right next to the Ooh. studios yeah um because it was right when he got shut down there he just was like i'm done i'm i'm moving down you know down south Going to the country yep mm -hmm. yeah that's anaheim was literally nothing um which then I, I think it's, it's really cool is how you parallel Anaheim with Orlando because Anaheim was this sleepy farmland, orange groves, um, a little bit of a military town, but not much, just nothing out there. And Orlando was the same kind of thing. It's just this nothing town, a little bit of a military uh, lifestyle. But other than that, it was, they were both was nothing just lands and mm -hmm. he turned it into you know, these huge um, successes that it is today. Yeah. So. Now they're gigantic cities and yeah. Anaheim got too big and now we can't have any more space for Disney. <laughs> I know, right? Well, and, and that's, that's even really cool because it's like the fact that that happened, because I, you know, I used to be like, you know, all Disney, Walt Disney, like world, I'm not even going to have like any part of, mm -hmm. but as I started to learn more about this, you know, it's, the Walt Disney history doesn't stop at 1966 when he passed away. Passed. It lives yeah. on and he wanted it to live on in Orlando. And so as, as I started doing more research and learning more about that, it was like, well, his story lives on, you know, his mm -hmm. legacy is talking about that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's so neat how even that landlock, no money, um, you know, all those issues that he had at Disneyland, he said, okay, well, we're going to do this part two, but this time, you know, we're not going to be landlocked. We're not, you know, we're going to make sure we have the money and mm -hmm. we're going to do it big. So I, I, you know, I think it's funny how a lot of people from Walt Disney world always go, well, yeah, well, we're bigger, you know, than Disneyland. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, but you're bigger because of Disneyland, you know, yeah. because of those struggles. And so I, I think it's just really neat how there's those, um, there's those overlaps right there. Mm -hmm. you know? so, That's a good it's, point. It's cool. There's connections yeah. there. Oh, so. so good. I I could talk to you all night. I, like we're done with my notes section and I'm just listening to David, just like, yeah, I know. I'm like, going. Know. I'm you can keep going. What? I'm just, <laughs> no, yeah. no, you're totally fine. Like this is great, yeah. but, um, oh, thank you so much, David, for being on. And I would love to have you on again in the future. I need to find another historical episode oh, to have sure. you on gosh you are just yeah. like a wealth of knowledge yeah yeah I, and i'm still learning i'm there's yeah. so there's so many books out there um um it's it's insane like i, I always I always tell people disney goes deep uh mm -hmm. the history with the studios the man the the park the cartoons i, I mean so much yeah so. and that's kind of like the whole premise of like like why I called the podcast learning Disney, because 
I want to know, like, I love history. And like, I feel like every time I turn around, there's something else I'm learning. Like there's another magical, cool feature in the parks. There's another thing that I learned, like Scooby-Doo is connected to Disney. Like who would have known? Like it's ever, (laughs) like, there's still so much to learn. And I I don't want to ever stop doing the research and like doing the studying and talking about it. Cause I just think that that's the best way to like get it out of my system as I have to talk. And I love talking Mm -hmm. to others about it too. Yeah. I I would always just say uh, whenever you're walking through the parks, don't ever um, look over the, the smallest little weirdest details. Mm -hmm. And and if, if you see black and white photos um, it's, they're, they're probably most likely uh, Walt or his family, like Walt's uh, ninth. Uh, no, uh, yeah, he was nine months old. If you go into the, um, I think it's the the nursery area or the the, the baby center, right mm-hmm, off the of, baby uh, center. Yeah, right there. I mean that's that's Walt's baby picture to the left at Disneyland. Um, he was nine months old in his baptismal, uh, uh, his uh, that, those little little dress, like the, the dress, yeah, <laughs> his baptismal I mean, gown. You were there, you were yeah. right there, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then you can see Walt um, uh, as as a, uh, I think he's probably about ten or eleven years old in in uh, Abraham Lincoln's uh, the the uh, uh, oh. the opera house. Oh, I've so never noticed like, that one. All the way over to the very right of the entrance and in, into the uh, the theater area. Um, just go all the way to the right and you'll see these two boys dressed as Abe Lincoln. And the one on the right is Walt Disney because he loved Abe Lincoln, which is why we have Abe Lincoln as an animatronic. So, um, he would dress up on, on the, on his birthday and he would recite the Gettysburg address. You know, it's so funny. Yeah. And his teacher was so like excited and, and just so neat. I mean, he would even like paint like the beard on, (laughs) on his face. face. So my mom, it was so funny when I took my mom to Disneyland. So she's from outside of Chicago and she's like, I knew I liked Disney. Like Abe is our best president. Like it's gotta be just like a from Chicago thing because she, and then I find out he was from Chicago and I texted her. I was like, he's from Chicago too. (laughs) She was like, I knew it. It's cool. just, yeah, it's just so fun. Uh, I love learning those little bits. Like I didn't know either of those. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just well, thinking well, of all these thinking. ways to get you back over onto the, onto the podcast. Oh, please, I'll come back. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I'm always talking with, with uh, Nancy, my wife, and I'm just like, did you know this? Did you know this? And she's like, yeah, too. <laughs> so, take family and friends um, to Disneyland. We've been going, we've been APs um, since 2005. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I'm like, I, I will always be an AP, uh, but um, I'm even calling it AP when it's actually MK, like magic key. You're fine. We, I'm, I'm old school. You're an annual castle. Yeah. <laughs> I, every time we would bring family and friends, I would always point out the little things everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a couple of years, Nancy keeps hearing the same things. And I'm like, did you know about this? She's like, yes, you've told me that. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, just, I love talking about it. It's, yeah. it's just, there's so much rich history. Um, I, I keep saying that, but so true. No, Cause it's true. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. And so I know I've already said it, but thank you so much for coming on today because oh, you're I couldn't have thought of anyone better to be on an episode to talk about Walt and his life and his legacy. And it was just, it, it was more than I could have even imagined. So I can't even thank you enough. Cause this is, I learned so much. I think, I think you probably saw me a few times just like looking at you, like, 
like a little kid at story time. It was awesome. But um, to close it out, so I don't know if David will say this about himself, but he's you have a YouTube channel, right? Yes. Yeah, he has a YouTube channel. Yeah, and then he has a huge following on Instagram. He's even a correspondent for the Disneyland and Disney World magazines. So if you aren't following David yet on Instagram, definitely need to do that. And will you please, because I, I always mess up your handle because I want to sing it to a song. <laughs> will, you, will you please plug that so everyone knows where to find you? Uh, yeah, Disneyfornia. And basically what I always say is if you type in Disney F-O-R, into the search it'll it'll come up because it's such a a unique thing i i don't know i i think it was a conglomerate i i just mashed it up uh disney in california i wanted it to be almost like anaheim and disney but when i was creating this back in like 2012 i was mm -hmm. just like i want it to be so unique and so different that it, it almost got a little too unique I guess. no it's amazing i always i'm always when i'm searching you because i always look when I'm looking for like who could know if this is factual or not, like I know David will have posted about it. And so I always do like Disney for Naya. And then I start singing the song, <laughs> like the California song. Yeah. So I was like, I'll spare people me singing. And then I ended up doing it. But um, yeah. So thank you so much, David. Um, I hope we can get you on the podcast again, but um, is there anything else you wanted to plug besides your YouTube, Instagram yeah, I mean, I you know, if anything, I mean, so what I like to do is um, I always like to to share out some kindness. And uh, when I was putting my mm -hmm. music together, uh, one of my one of my kind of like main goals that I I, I said is um, the money and the revenue that would come from the YouTube channel, um, I would I would give it straight back out to people because I was like, you know what, I have a job, I have I don't need that extra money. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of just putting it on myself and and using it for my gain, I wanted to help other people. So um, I always tell anybody, if, if you ever watch a video off of my YouTube channels, it, it generates a small amount of revenue and just any little revenue helps out. And mm -hmm. uh, I always tell people, um, I, don't, I don't know if this is a thing or not, but I always tell people just loop my videos in the background. And it's, it's not <laughs> for the likes and the views. It's just literally to gain more revenue mm -hmm. and it's like yeah. that revenue will just be a constant stream to give out to people inside and outside the parks so i've, mm -hmm. I've purchased churros for people i've given up disney gift cards um I'll, I'll literally just go up to um people who are buying churros or popcorn or something in the park and say like i'm gonna buy this for you like, yeah it's okay like <laughs> mm -hmm. um and it's it's just because it's like you know what if, if disneyland is this place of like magic and joy and and just so much fun it's like why not just be, make it a little bit more extra magical for people and just have some mm -hmm. fun with it. you know just create those smiles have fun yeah well, disney's about just a big playground so just go have fun in the big playground yeah so i love that like that's yeah. amazing that's kind of like what we are trying to encourage our kids to do like because I think you can get trapped into Disney thinking like, Ooh, I want this. I want this. And it's like, okay, let's see. Do you want to like buy someone else a balloon? Like, do you want to get like, yeah. so that's, I love that you do that because I think that's what we need to instill in like the kids and when other people see it, it spreads. And I think that's really awesome. So we will yeah. begin 
we will begin watching and looping. I've already watched some yeah. of yours, but I'll just start <laughs> looping them in the background. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, David. Again, I can't sing David's praises anymore. Like he really is Disney's walking encyclopedia. So make sure you go give him a follow. And yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get him on again. And hopefully I can see you one day and say hi. Yeah, we'll meet up in the parks. We'll be there all next week. So if you go your one week, maybe I, we can come by and take a picture. Okay. But all right. Thank you, David. I hope you have a great night and a great rest of your week. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. I hope everyone loved that episode today. Having David on was I know I said this many times was such a blessing was such an honor. He is such an amazing person. And I hope you go and follow him on Instagram and check out his YouTube channel to give back to others in and outside of the parks. Again, thank you for being part of the learning Disney podcast family. Elisa and I love that you guys come and you talk Disney with us every week. If you feel so inclined, it would be an amazing, amazing holiday present for you to leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you can find our podcast. And again, thank you. Next week, it will be another guest because I will be at Disneyland and giving Elisa another week off while we are actually in the parks together. So you may hear us on the news segment together for next week. And I hope you guys follow along on my stories and Elisa's stories. You can find us Hannah at Hannah Learning Disney and then also Elisa on Instagram at Bashfully Ever After Co. All right. I hope everyone has a great week. Bye.